0: Last time we were in here, Ben spoke about the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost and it came on the the disciples in the, the upper room and they had the tongues of fire above their heads and then they went out onto the streets and started speaking in tongues. And today we're just going to pick up from after that, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through to 36, or those are the verses that we're going to read anyway, but for the purpose of what we're actually looking at, it's going to be verses 22 to 36, so... Let me just read this, and then we'll, we'll have a look at what we can maybe learn from it. Well, there's it there. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the lord and everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved men of israel listen to this jesus of nazareth was a man accredited to god to you by miracles wonders and signs which god did among you through him as you yourselves know this man was handed over to you by god's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep him in its hold. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me in the grave nor will you let your holy ones see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here until this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you see now and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Whenever I started to have a look at that passage, I thought, goodness me, what am I gonna talk about? Uh, I had no idea because I thought that it seemed really general. But then I read it a few more times and I thought, goodness me, what am I going to talk about? Because I realized that it actually had so much to say and I couldn't choose. But the thing that I felt steered towards is the, is the topic of hope. And what a big and emotive word hope is. I wonder what comes to mind whenever we think of hope. If anything comes to mind, you can just we can shout it out and then we'll have a, a think together. But it's okay if you don't want to shout out as well. Well, I was thinking, Hope, if you're a Liverpool fan, maybe you would hope that Man City would stop winning all their games. Maybe that's what some people hope for, yeah. Um, Or it could be, I was thinking about Hope, and I thought, maybe it's like a beautiful sunrise, and the thought that with each sunrise, the old is gone and the new has come. We might think of situations where we've trusted God, and we've we've trusted in him to... um, move situations for us and he's done that or maybe we think of situations where we're having to trust him at the moment or maybe hope is a painful word and we're reminded of times when things didn't turn out how we hoped they would or how we expected they would sometimes hope does deal the hardest blows one of my favourite films growing up was the, the Clive Owen version of King Arthur I should have moved that on at the time, It uh, was my, was a Clive of One version of King Arthur. And there's a quote in it from the ancient British monk Pelagius which says, there's no worse death than the end of hope. And I'm sure that we can all think of situations in our lives where it seems like hope is down to its last embers and those can be difficult moments. Us and everyone else around us is looking for hope. So I don't think it's... Uh, Coincidence that so many of the stories that we love and we cherish and we celebrate are about good triumphing over evil against all the odds. We crave stories of supernatural word, worlds, of stories where we can cheat death that show us a love that cannot be beaten, where there are heroes, stories where there's sacrifice, where good wins and evil is destroyed. The world around us tells us that there is no supernatural, there is no good and there's there's no evil, there's no such thing as truth. And yet we love these stories. If we look at the the 10 highest grossing films of all time, which are on the screen, I reckon that seven of them, if we look at them, there's the first six, and there's the, the next four. I reckon that seven of them are stories that we know can never be true. Because, unfortunately, there is no Spider-Man, there's no Captain America. I know, who believe it? <laughs> and there's no Jedi either, unfortunately. Even though we know these stories can't be true, we can't get enough of them. Because they play to desires that are deep inside of us. Desires for hope, desires for a savior, to know that in the end, Everything's going to work out. All of society is looking for hope, looking to step in to that one story where good triumphs over evil and there can be rest. Rest from striving, from restlessness, from pain, from anxiety, from fear. When there's an end to poverty, loneliness, climate change. And there's so many things that we can put our hope in. We might hope for... Better finances, because we want to provide for our families. Or we might hope for an end to illness, because it causes us pain. Or maybe for new friendships, because we want to share our life with others, and maybe we're, we're afraid of being alone. Gyms are overrun by new people every January, by people putting their hope in exercise for better health and, and well-being. Or we might desire a nicer car or a bigger house or a corner office or a new personal best time or maybe more followers or maybe we desire to break through the small talk and make real deeper connections there is a desire that lies beneath all of our desires and the hope that lies behind all of our hopes and as we take a deeper look at this passage we're going to see What it is, and we're going to find out that it's alive and it's well. Verses 22 to 36 that we're focusing on today are part of, or the second part of a three part sermon that Peter gives. The first part, uh, Peter explains what's going on as the disciples burst out of the upper room speaking in tongues. And then in these verses, he gives the gospel in its most simple form. And then in the following verses, 37 to 41, he calls on the people to repent. People would have been gathered in Jerusalem at this time for the Feast of Weeks. Jews from all over the world had come to take part in it. And it's not long after this, uh, Peter's sermon, that the Gospel exploded all over the ancient world. And it's easy to imagine that that might have had a lot with what Peter had to say when he got up and spoke. And as we look at what he said, we're going to see that hope never dies, that often it takes its time, And also, that is for everyone. So hope never dies. Verse 24 tells us that after Jesus died, God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, it looked like it really was, that death and hopelessness and sin had won, that Satan had triumphed over God. Jesus died on the Friday evening, but he died on the Friday evening and rose again on the Sunday morning. But I wonder what the Saturday might have been like when all of the disciples' dreams had come to an end. I wonder, were they angry? Angry with the Romans for killing Jesus or the Jews for handing him over? Or maybe they were angry with Jesus for letting himself be killed? Or maybe deflated, like... A balloon with all of the air gone out of it. I'm sure that all of us, if we think about it, have had days like that where, where things haven't turned out how we would have wanted them to or expected them to. But hopelessness as well, it doesn't have to be related to a particular situation. It can just be a sense of feeling lost or disorientated or maybe like we're, we're heavy laden, with carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. But here's the good news. God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Jesus has beaten death, and he's beaten Satan, and he did it for us. So death, where is your sting? And hell, where is your victory? Jesus has defeated the biggest enemy, and if he has already defeated death, then what could possibly stand in his way? And if Jesus has already defeated Satan, and he has, it means that all of Satan's weapons are also beaten. Fear, perfect love casts out all fear. Temptation, he will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out. Hopelessness, I know the plans that I have for you plans to give you hope and a hope on the future. The truth is that where Jesus is, defeat has no place. The two don't go together. Omnipotence and defeat, they don't mix. And the only way the devil can pull us away from the assurance that we have in Jesus is to make us forget about it, is to make us forget about that assurance to put enough junk and enough fake news in front of us that we lose sight of our victory. Paul tells us to run by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, but it can be hard to do whenever we're hit with distractions and insecurities and temptations from all sides. I recently read the book, um, or a book called Live No Lies, written by a man called John Mark Comer, and in it he quotes a man called Garry Kasparov, who is an exile Russian democracy advocate, who says, the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda, it is to exhaust your critical thinking, to annihilate truth. As the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda, it is to exhaust your critical thinking, to annihilate truth. In the war for our souls, the devil's best strategy is to make us forget about the truth, To annihilate it from our minds and our memories to divert us away from or to stop us from trusting in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Maybe a bit like building a hall of mirrors all around us so we don't know which way to turn or we don't know which way is the right right turn to take. And we try our best to keep our eyes on Jesus, but as hard as we try, there's times whenever we're going to be tricked, but whenever we take a wrong turn... We only need to turn back to Jesus. In John 10, he says that he is the good shepherd, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. When we fall into hopelessness, let's take ourselves away from the noise and and listen to his voice calling us back. And if we can't hear it, then let us ask him to help us hear it. Another one of my favorite films growing up um, just happens that I've decided to talk about a lot of films today, um, is The Lion King. And at the end of it, um, once the false king, the evil lion Scar, has been defeated, Simba, who is the true and rightful king, takes his place as the king of Pride Rock. And as he does, rain starts to fall on the land that for so long had lain barren. And new life starts to grow through the cracks of what had once before been a hopeless landscape. Hope that for years had been in exile was restored. So how do we have hope? We have hope because Jesus has already won the victory and he's the king. Whenever I was thinking about this um, this morning, I had the sense of the words, when the lion roars, the enemy flees. Like Whenever we're in a bad situation or we feel the world on our shoulders, we just have to point the enemy to Jesus. He's, he, he's the lion of Judah. He's the roaring lion and say, Well, look at him. What power do you have over me? Maybe a wee bit like if you're a child and you're, you're facing down a bully, you can just point to your older brother and say, Line with him. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a useful thing. When the lion roars, the enemy flees. Hope also takes his time. A lot of the time i guess if it didn't we wouldn't have to call it hope We wouldn't have to hope for it there's simba go on simba <laughs> so hope takes his time because jesus has won our victory we're always going to have hope but there's no denying that there are times that we pray and we hope and we have faith with all of our hearts but it doesn't seem to do anything like we're knocking on the door but it doesn't seem to open. And we know that having God with us, Jesus, Emmanuel, means that we'll always have everything that we need, but not always everything that we want. But sometimes, wouldn't it be nice just to have a break? And make no mistake, God is with us, and his, his peace and his providence are available to us all the time. But often, you know, he's in the business of playing the long game. Proverbs 13, verse 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And whenever we feel that hope has been deferred, it's worth remembering that we're not the only ones that have felt that way. God promised Abraham that his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the beach, but he and Sarah couldn't have children. They had to wait, but whenever he was 100 years old, They had a child whenever Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham was as good as dead. Even when it seemed hopeless and even when it seemed that God had forgotten about them, he hadn't forgotten about them. He was there all the time and he came through on his promise. The whole nation of Israel had spent 40 years wandering through the desert. And in that time, there would have been people who went into the desert and who didn't come out and people who were born in the desert and made it to 40 years old, and never knew anything but wandering. And there must have been times when they thought, what's the point in this? Let's just give up, or or let's head back to Egypt. But every day, God provided for them with manna from heaven. And after 40 years, they left the desert. Again, it seemed hopeless, but God came through on his promise. And some commentators think that Joseph spent as many uh, as 12 years in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. He must have thought, at times that God had given up on him. Even though his situation seemed hopeless, God was there and he had a plan that Joseph never could have guessed at. But what about us? Ephesians 1 tells us that even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His only family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. God has had a plan for each one of us since before the world was even made, and He loves each of us more than we could ever know, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what our situations are, no matter what we're struggling with. And Ephesians 2 says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us and you in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So no matter how we feel about ourselves, God just loves us. And he has work for us to do. In the verses that we've read there this morning, Peter quotes two Psalms. He quotes Psalm 16 and he quotes Psalm 110. And in this period of Judaism um, that we're in, in Acts chapter 2, they both would have been considered enigmatic the jews weren't really sure how to interpret them or what to do with them peter quotes psalm 16 i saw the lord ever before me because he is at my right hand i will not be shaken therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices moreover my flesh will rest in hope because you will not abandon me in heads or allow your holy one to see decay you reveal the path of life for me you will fill me with gladness in your presence There was no problem with the fact that God was with David or that David should rejoice because God was with him. But how could God keep him from death? And how could he stop David from rotting in the grave? And Psalm 110, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand and I will make your your enemies your footstool. The Lord wasn't talking to David here, but to my Lord. So who was this other Lord that God was talking to? We know looking back in time that these Psalms are clearly talking about Jesus, but they would have made no sense until Jesus appeared. David was king 1,000 years before the time of Jesus, but here he is prophesying about Jesus. And all the years before that, when Abraham was promised that all the world would be blessed through Abraham's descendants, the plan had already been made. And all the time in between in Egypt, in the desert, in exile, in the circumstances of individuals where people thought, where is God? His silence was not his absence. He was there all along. Jesus helps us make sense of things that can't be made sense of without him. He is the key to the desire beneath all of our desires. And we're going to see how that is, but... First, we should know that hope is for everyone. And before we talk about that, I had uh, another sense whenever I was just thinking about this, the words buried to grow. Like sometimes God gives us dreams or desires or there's stuff spoken over us and it's like it's buried in the soil and it's growing, but we can't see it. We can't see what it's doing. All we see is soil with no signs of life or growth but beneath the surface we can't see it but god's doing his work and in the right time in god's time the shoots will break through the surface and we'll, we'll see what he's been doing all along so again maybe that's helpful but hope is for everyone anyone who's seen the tv show friends will know about the character gunther And he works in the coffee shop where all the friends, Joey and Phoebe, Ross and Rachel, Monica and Chandler, spend all of their time. And he knows all about their lives and on a couple of very rare occasions he even gets invited to to the same parties. Um, And he wants to be part of their group and he's desperately in love with Rachel, but he never quite makes the breakthrough. He's there and we see him on the screen, but we only see him as an outsider who's looking in. And at times, if we're honest, it can maybe feel like that between us and God, or us in church, that we're an outsider looking in and that maybe our face doesn't fit. Perhaps there was a time whenever we knew that he was with us, that all we had to do was, was close our eyes and we would know that he was there. Or maybe we're, we're carrying around with a shame and guilt, like we're walking around in black and white stripes, like you know convicts in the old cartoons. Why would he be interested in us? Or maybe we feel like we have nothing to offer. We don't see what he could or would want to do through us. Or maybe we're scared, scared of what he might ask of us or ask from us or ask us to do. In the book, Live No Lies, that I mentioned earlier, John Mark Comer talks about how during the Crusades, before going into battle, the Knights Templar would have been baptised, but they would have held their swords above their heads so that their bodies would be submerged, but their swords wouldn't be, as if to say... You can have all of me, Jesus, except this. Not my violence, not my wrath, not my, my search and my quest for glory. And I wonder if we're honest what we could be holding back. Maybe finances, a grudge, a wound, a fear, an addiction, or politics. We'll never see all the fruit that we could bear for him when we're holding things back from him. He asks us to surrender, but you can't surrender through a clenched fist. And those are issues that we need to deal with. But praise God that there's acceptance before there's transformation, that we can go to our Father and deal with those together because we know that He'll only ever want to act in our best interests. I remember when I was younger, uh, I would occasionally get up to mischief uh, I'd occasionally muck around, maybe climb a tree or climb a fence and I'd get a wee splinter in my finger and I used to hate when that happened because I knew that my dad would have to fix it. He'd go into my mum's sewing kit and get a needle and and push the the needle beneath my skin and push the tweezer out and looking back, or he pushed the needle out and looking back I think, well, surely a tweezer would have been a better idea (laughs) maybe a bit less painful, but that's that's what he did and it worked but uh, I was always really nervous whenever I got a splinter in my finger because I knew that this was going to have to happen and it was uncomfortable and I knew it would be uncomfortable but I also knew that when I went to my father I'd be safe I'd be I'd be in a safe place if any of those describe you or maybe there's another reason you can't come to God again there's good news Peter said in verse 36, Let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. The message that he gave was for everyone, no exceptions. And if you're being critical, you might say, yeah, but it would have been mostly Jews listening to Peter. But then we're told in Galatians 3 that you are all children of God through faith in Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Jesus. So no matter how you find yourself this morning, hope is for you. It doesn't matter how you feel what's going on in the past or how you're feeling about the future. Jesus is for you. Hope is alive. God plays the long game. And hope is for everyone. We mentioned before that Jesus is the key to our hope. There's so many other things the world around us tells us that we should find hope in. Self-sufficiency, positivity, trying to live our best lives because what goes around comes around. Love. How many of our films or our books or our reality TV shows tell us that if we can only find the right person then life will be okay or beauty or wealth or social media? All of these things promise us the world and yes They'll probably make us feel good for a while But in the end they'll break our hearts because they can never give us the peace and the rest that only Jesus can give us So how can we make the words of psalm 16 our own? I saw the Lord ever before me. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. You reveal the path of life for me. You will fill me with gladness in your presence. We can make those words our own because Jesus was abandoned in death. For us, He went to the place where there was no hope and He died there. But he didn't stay dead long enough for his body to decay. And because he rose again, we can know that the victory is ours. That when he says, take heart for I've overcome the world, that he really means it, and that we can trust him when he says those words. So whatever it is that we need, we should ask him because he's a good father and he wants to provide for us. But we know that we don't always get what we pray for. That as much as he loves us, and he really, really does, not every prayer is answered for reasons that we might not understand this side of eternity. So our hope can't be in him answering our prayers the way we want them to or the way we expect him to. Although he certainly does answer our prayers. Our hope and our desire have to be him. Our hope and our desire have to be Jesus. And this is where we see that he is the desire that lies beneath all of our desires, and he's the hope beneath all of our hopes. We long for love. We long to be loved. And in Jesus, we see that we're more loved and more accepted than we can ever imagine. We desire healing. And we know that as much as he can heal our bodies and our minds, our ultimate healing from our sin, from the brokenness of this world, is already taken care of. And when we need peace, we know that the punishment for our peace was on him. When we desire relationship, we know that nothing can separate us from him. When we desire recognition, we only have to look at the cross and see what the God of the universe did so that he could know us. And whenever we desire wealth, we know that we have a faith that is worth more than all the gold in the world. I will land this here, we'll finish in just a minute. So if if the worship team want to come up, um, we'll just finish this off. Whenever we hope in Jesus and only Jesus, whenever our house is built on the rock that is his name, it gives us confidence to pray boldly and expectantly. And it means that whenever our prayers aren't answered the way we want um, them to be, our faith isn't destroyed because we know that we're always going to have everything that we need in him and that's secure. We taste and see that the Lord is good. Everything that we need or have needed or will need is available to us in Jesus. We spoke earlier about how we love stories like the Avengers and Star Wars and what have you. Stories of hope, of heroes. Stories of sacrifice where, where death is beaten and stories where love wins. And The reason is that they show us something that we all need, but we can't grasp. Because we can't step onto the page or, or step into the screen. But Jesus invites us into his story, where all of our desires are fulfilled. And he's calling our name. And he's inviting us to, to step into it and to join a minute. Let's pray. See, this year the desire beneath all of our desires and the hope beneath all of our hopes. And you, we have the victory, and you, we have everything that we need. So would those truths be more than words? Would they be truths that go deep into our heart and take root? Whatever we need, will we, we look to the cross and see that it's already been provided for. Yeah. We love you and we want to know you more. Amen.